Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. We want to invite you to our Christmas Eve candlelight service Sunday, December 24th at 5 p.m. at the Tulia High School Auditorium. This is going to be a classic candlelight service with a few surprises. This is a great service to invite a friend. If you would like to support TCF, please visit our giving page at tcf.church. Last week we looked at Luke's uh, story of the gospel. We looked at Luke's story of the birth of John the Baptist and of the birth of Jesus. And of course, we know the book of Luke goes through the birth of Jesus, the birth of John the Baptist, all the way through to Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And at the end of the book of John, it says that the Bible was written for us so that we would believe. That's what it was written for. Now, I know there's a lot of things in the Word of God. I can tell you in my own personal life, when I read my Bible and I read it regularly, I said it last week, it makes my problems smaller and it makes my God bigger. Well, one of the primary things that's supposed to happen, it says in the book of John, is when you read the Word of God, it's supposed to spark belief in you. Now, here's what we're supposed to believe. We're supposed to believe that Jesus is the Son of God And that he was sent to be our Messiah. And it says when you choose to believe that then the benefit of that is eternal life, life everlasting. So every time you read the Bible, here's what it does. It strengthens your believing. It strengthens your faith. See, it starves your doubts and it feeds your faith. Well, as we begin to look into the book of Luke, we found out three things that I wanted to remind you of. And I think this is so interesting. In the beginning of the Luke, of Luke, it says that when he wrote that, that there were people there who had been eyewitnesses. Okay, they had been eyewitnesses. In other words, they saw what happened. They saw the life of Jesus. They saw his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Then the second thing it says is that the writer of Luke made a careful investigation. Now, don't miss this. I, I love this. Okay, Uh, there were eyewitnesses and it's almost like a crime. Now, this is not a crime. I know that, but it's like somebody saw something happen. Then there was a careful investigation made of what happened. Then here's the third thing it says. It says that they wrote down an orderly account of what happened. So here's what happens. When you read the word of God, you can trust God's word. You can trust that it's true. You can trust that it's accurate. And when you read it, recognize that it moves you to believe. And when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then it stirs eternal life in you and you're never the same. Amen. Now, we found out about two people last week. We talked about Elizabeth and Zachariah. They were an older married couple. The reason I know they were is because the Bible says they had had no children. She was beyond the childbearing age. He was a priest. And they would go to the temple, and he would do his priestly duties. And the way they did it in those days is they would draw lots. And what that meant was he didn't do it all the time, but they, had, they took turns. So it was his time to go to the temple for him to burn incense. And if you read in the story of Luke, he and Elizabeth went to the temple. 
He was inside offering incense as a priest, and all the people were outside worshiping and waiting on him. Well, as the story goes, as he's inside offering prayers and offering incense out of nowhere, the angel Gabriel appears to him standing next to the altar. Now, we found out that there's only four angels in the Bible that are given names. There's references about angels all through the Bible, but only four have names. One of those was Gabriel. He identifies himself, and he says, I'm Gabriel. Now, one of the fascinating things I love about this is Gabriel also appeared 500 years earlier to Daniel in the story of Daniel. Then 500 years later, he appears to Zechariah. Then we know just a few weeks after that, he appears to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus. I just think it's fascinating. Then I know we believe angels are eternal, but I think it's just fascinating uh, that he that he exists that long and that he's involved in these things. So he appears. And, of course, Zachariah's startled, right? He's afraid, and he's afraid because he sees the angel Gabriel, and one of the first things he says is, don't be afraid. Now, he also says the same thing to Mary. When he appears to Mary, he says, you don't have to be afraid. Now, what I love about that, and I've said it before, angels are not these little fat chubby guys playing harps and, and that look funny. No, no, they're warriors, Okay, they're messengers. They, they, an angel has to be an amazing, dreadful sight for him to say, hey, don't be afraid. Okay, I'm not going to hurt you. Well, what that tells me is if he wanted to, he could hurt you. So he does, and, and they're not sent to hurt us, but it's like he tells him, hey, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. And then here's what he says. He says, even though you and your wife are older, God has heard your prayers and he's going to give you a baby. Now, they didn't have children, and in those times, if you didn't have children, in a sense, you were considered cursed. I mean, it was not a good thing. If you didn't have children, and they believed children were the heritage of the Lord, we believe that too, but if you didn't have a child, it meant there maybe was something wrong with you, and you had something hidden in your life, and that's what the culture believed. Now, God wasn't doing that to them, but they believed that. I dated a girl one time in high school, and she had two brothers who were uh, terribly ill. They had some things wrong with them physically, not just minor things. I'm talking life-altering things. And they decided one time to go to church. And when they went to church, now this was in Amarillo, Texas. When they went to church, one of the well-meaning Christians there asked them, what in the world did you do for God to do this to you? What, what happened to you? Well, needless to say, they didn't go back to that church, right? Uh, and, and I'm not saying, I don't know about that person that said that, but folks, God, God's in the blessing business, not the cursing business. So God says, hey, I've heard your prayer. Can I just say something to you? God's hearing your prayer too. Can I encourage you don't give up praying? If you've been praying about something and it hadn't happened like you've needed it to or wanted it to, can I encourage you, please don't stop. Please don't give up. You have a loving Heavenly Father. His ears are open to your prayer. You're invited to come boldly into His presence. So don't give up praying. So he says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And Zachariah says, well, I don't know about that. My wife's old and I'm old. And he expressed his unbelief. Well, then the angel says, because of your unbelief, I'm going to shut your mouth and you're not going to be able to talk or say anything until the baby's born. So he made him where he couldn't talk. He came out of the temple and he couldn't talk. Now, here's what I think is so interesting about this. And I've been meditating on it this week and looking at my own life. An angel comes and says, God's going to give you a miracle. And then he expresses unbelief. 
Well, I don't know about that. So the angel closes his mouth so he can't stop the miracle with his words. Now, I I used this word last week, and I want to use it again. He was going to abort the miracle with his words and with his unbelief. And so the angel shut his mouth until the baby was born. Now, my question this morning in my own life and in your life is I wonder how many miracles in our lives we've aborted or we've short-circuited with our mouth and with our unbelief. You know, we pray, and I stand right up here this morning and say, God's heard your prayers, and then when God begins to move, we speak negative thoughts or we speak unbelief. We express how we don't know if God's going to do it, and we short-circuit that miracle. If you allow me to say it, we abort that miracle, and I just want to encourage you this morning. Proverbs says life and death is in the power of the tongue, and it does matter what we say. It does matter how we talk. Can I just encourage you to speak life over yourself? Speak blessing over your family. Begin to say, hey, God, I thank you that there are miracles in my family, that you're moving on my children and my grandchildren. You're moving in our lives instead of, well, I don't know, right? So he shut his mouth so he wouldn't do it. So he comes outside. He can't speak. He and Elizabeth go home. Uh, She conceives, and uh, then she... uh, goes through a period where she gets with, uh, with Mary. And I, w- I want to start reading to you right there. I want, I want to start in Luke 126. Uh, before, I, before I do, though, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself. I want to help you understand something. Last week, I used the word advent. And advent simply means coming, okay? And there was the first coming of Jesus, the first advent. And now we're waiting on the second coming of Jesus or the second advent. Now, I want to do a little object lesson to help you visualize it. And so, I need, Dylan, would you mind helping me? Stephen, would you mind helping me, please? Okay, stand right here, brother. Man, yeah, isn't he handsome? That was pretty weak over here. I mean, uh, Stephen, would you stand right up here? Okay. Here's what I want you to see. The word advent means coming. Imagine Stephen is Jesus, okay? And Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago. Okay, God sent John the Baptist when Jesus was born. They were born pretty close together. Uh, John the Baptist was born first. But he sent John the Baptist to prepare the way. In other words, as these two guys were growing up and as they became young men, God used John the Baptist to prepare the people's hearts for Jesus. And to prepare them for his ministry. The Bible says so. That God used him. Okay. Jesus is born the first time. The first coming. The first advent. Then we march along 2,000 years. Will you help me, Mario? We march along 2,000 years. Come stand down here. You're the old Jesus, all right? No, you're not the old Jesus, brother. All right. All right. Now, I want you to imagine this as a timeline. Okay, Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago, and the Bible says all through the Old and New Testament, there are promises that said Jesus would come, and he did come. Now there are promises in the Word of God that say he's coming again, and he hasn't come yet, but he is going to come. So we live in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. You and I live in between these two events. And right now, it's been 2,000 years. Now, I don't know if we're really, really close. Okay, The Bible says that he could come any time, right? 
He could come today. He could come next week. We don't know when he's going to come. But you and I live our lives in between these two events. Now, when Jesus comes the second time, then after the second coming, then out here's the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ where we're all going to live in the kingdom. And it's going to be wonderful and amazing. And that's what the book we just got through doing called All Things New is about. Out here sees the kingdom fulfilled, the earth restored. And there's going to be righteous rule and a righteous government. Jesus is going to be in charge. And it's going to be amazing. But we're not here yet. We're over here on this other side. Now, here's what I want you to see. God sent John to prepare the way for Jesus the first time. He has sent you and I to prepare the way of Jesus the second time. Now, this is so powerful. What does that mean? Well, that means every one of you have a ministry. Every one of you have a calling. Every one of you have a gifting. And God wants to use that in your family, with your business, with your friends to prepare the way for the second coming of Christ. Oh, he hadn't come yet. I, I know he hadn't come yet, but he's coming. The Bible says he's coming. And he wants you and I to allow the light in us to shine. And everywhere we go, we make a difference for Jesus. Well, we're not afraid to tell people about Christ. We're not afraid to pray for somebody. We're not afraid to love. We're not afraid to offer grace. Are you with me? John came the first time to prepare for the first coming or the first advent. He's raising up you and I to prepare for the second coming or for the second advent. Now, here's what I know. And I've been guilty of this. Jesus may not matter to you today. And I don't mean that wrong. Don't take that wrong. But it's like he may not be a priority to you right now today. He may not matter to you today. But I can tell you something. There's coming a day when the only thing that's going to matter is Jesus. It is the only thing that's going to matter. And he's coming. And he said in John, he said, hey, I'm leaving. That's what happened. Uh, he died on the cross. And when he died on the cross here 2,000 years ago, he said, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I'm at, you can be also. I'm going to take care of you. Amen? Amen. So you and I, you're right, Jesus? Yes. <laughs> Lord, heal Jesus. Lord, heal Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right, brother. So all I want you to see is we're in You all right? Amen? Yeah, okay, man. Amen. We're in between the two, amen? Praise God. You, Jesus, you can sit down, amen? I love you. Y'all can sit down too. Thank you very much. Good job. You're going to go get a drink, amen? Jesus is leaving the building. Amen. Wasn't that Elvis that did that, right? All right. If you'd allow me to, I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 1 now, starting with verse 26, and just listen to the story. This is Luke's account. Now, what did we find out about Luke's account? There were eyewitnesses. It's been investigated, and this is an orderly account. Listen to what it says. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged or engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, here it is, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. 
the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I love that. His kingdom. Listen, you and I are a part of the kingdom of God right now. If you've invited Christ into your life, and I know the majority of you have, you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and you have the eternal life of God dwelling on the inside of you. The Bible says that we're perishing on the outside. What's that mean? We're getting older, but we're being renewed day by day on the inside. My mom, when she was in her 70s, said she never felt old unless she walked past a mirror. And she would see herself. She said, but I never felt old. She said, especially on the inside. Do you know why? Because on the inside, you're eternal. So see, it doesn't matter if you're seven or if you're 97, you have the eternal spirit, your own spirit, and the spirit of the living God living on the inside of you. And you and I are a part of a kingdom that's going to be ruled by King Jesus, and it's never going to end. Now, you know what we think sometimes? We think eternal life is life later. But it's not. It's life never ending. You have the life of God on the inside of you right now. And you're a part of a kingdom that's never going to end. Amen? How will this be, Mary said? I'm, an, I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, remember what I just said? This story was written so you might believe. I've been reading the book of Acts every morning, and I've read through it about three times, and I've been so ministered to by it. And every time there's a story about the gospel preached in the book of Acts, it says, and some believed. I want to be one of the some. Amen? And some believed. I love that. So listen to what it says. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. We've been talking about that. And she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I love that. No word from God will ever fail. Whatever you need from God, he's able to take care of it. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be, be excuse me, may your word to me be fulfilled. Now, I love that. The King James says, she said, be it unto me according to your word. Now, what did Zechariah do? Zechariah said, ah, I don't know about this. And the angel shut his mouth. Mary said, whatever you say, I say. If you say it's going to happen, I'm going to receive it. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed. I love this. In a loud voice. You may do it. Here's what, here's what she did. Blessed are you among women. They start having church. That's what happened, right? Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you bear. With a loud voice. You think they were like, hey, the neighbors. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. That's John. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now, here's what I want you to see that's so powerful. The Bible says that these two women are related. One is older, one is younger. There's, there's some idea that they possibly were cousins, but they were related. And they recognized in each other what God was doing in their life. Can I tell you something? 
Sometimes one of the hardest places to be recognized in the things of God is in your own family. You remember the story of David? All right, remember the prophet came and uh, said, hey, bring your sons in because God's going to pick a king. And they didn't bring David in because David didn't matter. Here's the thing. His father saw a shepherd. God saw a king. Okay, now just let me ask you something this morning. When you talk to your children, do you talk to shepherds or do you talk to kings? When you talk to your grandchildren, when you're around your family, do you talk to those people like they're kings or do you talk to those people like they're shepherds? What do you see in them? What future do you see in them? What do you declare in them? Do you see this? Zechariah had to be shut up. Okay, does God need to shut you up maybe, right? Me too, right, sometimes? So I want to ask you that this morning when you speak. I heard this a long time ago, that inside of every man is a king and a fool, and whichever one you talk to is the one that comes out. Ladies, that's a good one, isn't it? Maybe you've been talking to the wrong one, and you're not happy with the results, amen? Inside of every man is a king and a fool. The one you talk to is the one that comes out. Okay, are you talking to those around you like they're sheep herders or are you talking to them like they're kings? Mary and Elizabeth recognized God's work in each one of their lives and in families that's rare. What if this holiday season, you're the one that recognized it? What if you were the one that said, man, I see God in you. I see the king in you. I see God's plan in your life. I never had very much of that in my life with my family. You know what they always saw? Who I used to be. And they always wanted to remind me, you remember that time? Yeah, I remember. But I'm redeemed and delivered, and God has a plan for my life. And I'm not the person that I used to be. I've done some bad stuff. I know none of y'all have, but I have, (laughs) right? I've done some dumb things, and I'd get around my family, and they never could recognize God. Now, don't miss this. Sometimes the only person who will recognize what God's doing in your life will be God. You know, when I went to Bible school, I'm not from a family of preachers. Okay, I don't, I, my, grand, now my grandmother, that's incorrect. My grandmother did some ministering and some things, but I had no men preachers. I didn't come from a line of preachers, okay? And the Bible school I went to was not like a traditional Bible school. And what I mean by that is when I got out, they didn't have places to put you in the ministry. They didn't have placement. Does that make sense? So when I got out of Bible school, there's nowhere for me to go and nothing for me to do. I didn't, I didn't have any open door to go do what I'm doing right now. And so I told God, I said, God, I don't know anybody. I don't know any preachers. I mean, how am I going to ever end up doing? You, you realize this right here is a dream come true for me. I, I don't know anybody. You know what he said? Well, you know me. You do not know how much that ministered to me. You know me. Can I take care of it? Well, I don't know, God. Then he's like, I'm going to shut your mouth. No, so he didn't, thank God. Vicky's thinking sometimes maybe, you know, we talked about that in the early service. If God were to shut my mouth for nine months, would you be happy the whole nine months or maybe just two or three? No, nine months is a little long, about two or three weeks. But I told God, I said, God, I I don't know anybody. And I know he spoke to my heart and he said, you know me. Can I tell you the same thing this morning? Whatever it is you need from God. Sometimes, in the beginning, the only person who will recognize it is God. 
Now, many of you gracefully and lovingly call me pastor. And when I see you in church or I see you in the store, many of you call me pastor. And I'm always honored and I'm always encouraged when, when you do that. I'm not looking to be called that. But when you say that to me, what it does to me is you recognize God's doing something in my life. And it always blesses me and it always encourages me. Now, I'm not saying that so you'll all start doing that because that, that's not my heart at all. But my heart is when people do recognize, hey, God's doing something in your life. So the thing is, in the very beginning, it may be just God who recognizes it. But then after he recognizes it, then you walk on this journey. Listen to me. Others will begin to recognize it. And they'll begin to see what God's doing in your life. Mary and Elizabeth saw in each other what God was doing. Okay, see, David's dad didn't see it. Now, he saw it later, but he didn't see it. So I just want to encourage you in that. Now, let me read to you. With, I've just got a few minutes left. Luke 1, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Listen, God wants to show you great mercy. Let that soak in. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's supposed to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Obviously, that was the way they chose names. Then they made signs to the father to find out what he would call the child. Don't you love this? He still can't talk. He still can't talk. And he's like, can you imagine trying to spell John in the air? All right, listen to this. He asked for a writing tablet. I love that. And to everyone's astonishment, he's, he wrote John. Listen to this. He wrote John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free and he began to praise God. Don't you love that? He didn't complain. You know what he did? <sighs> Thank you, Jesus, right? He could talk. I love that. It says that he began to praise God. He knew not to gripe. He knew what would happen if he did. True? All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it and asked, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Now, here's all I want to stir in your heart this morning. Just like God the Father sent John to prepare the way for Jesus, he's sending you and I to prepare the way for, the G for Jesus the second time. Now, we don't know when that's going to be, and we're in the Christmas season. And right now during this season of Christmas, this season of waiting, this season of remembering that Jesus did come the first time, he is coming the second time, God wants to use us. And he wants to use us to minister to our friends and to our family. And he wants to use us to reach out to those we work with, with the life of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, would you bow your head and let me pray? Father God, I want to thank you this morning for sending Jesus. Lord, I'm so grateful for this season, this Christmas season. Lord, we know every year, every 12 months it's Christmas. But Lord, I pray you stir in our hearts as we wait for Christmas, as we remind ourselves that you came the first time. Lord, we're waiting for the second time. We're waiting for your return. And Lord, we want to be like John was the first time. We want to be like he was this second time. Lord, we want to bring your love and your grace and your life to our friends and our families. Father, I want to pray over our Christmas Eve service coming up in just two weeks. 
Father, as we hand out cards, as we smile, as we talk to people, as we invite those, Father, around us, that they'll come and they'll hear the gospel, they'll hear the word of God, and it'll cause them to believe. And as they believe, they'll receive eternal life. Father God, we want to load heaven. We want to load heaven and unload hell. We want to load it with our friends, with our family, with the people we work with. Father God, would you let our light shine? Help us to let our light shine these next two weeks. As we say Merry Christmas, as we smile, as we reach out, that God, you use us to bring people to church, to bring people to our Christmas Eve service, and that people would be changed and ministered to. Father God, I'm thankful in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.